You can save every day by shopping at Whole Foods Market. Seriously, don't just go for the big sales. Walk the store and see the savings for yourself. In the seafood department, look for the yellow low price sign on Whole Foods Market Responsibly Farm Salmon. This fish is perfect for the grill. Buttery, fatty, yet lean, nice thick fillets. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it, and I know I can get it at a great price. There's so many ways to save at Whole Foods Market. Now you know. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. We're celebrating 300 million downloads here at the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, and we want to hear from you. You can leave me a message at 443-961-6206 and let me know why you listen to the Nutrition Diva show, or if something you learned from the show ended up making a positive difference in your life, I'd love to hear about that too. Your recording may be used in a future episode. Again, the number is 443-961-6206. I look forward to hearing from you. Canada recently got a new food guide, and here to talk with me about these latest guidelines and their implications for eaters and policymakers in Canada, but also beyond, is Dr. Yoni Friedhoff. You might remember Dr. Friedhoff from his last appearance on the Nutrition Diva podcast, in which we discussed the topic of weight loss resistance. Welcome back to the podcast, Yoni. Thanks, Monica. It's good to be here. Now, Yanni, you've been an outspoken critic of the Canadian Food Guide in the past, but from what I've read in your blog, it sounds as if you think that this iteration is a significant improvement over past attempts. What what do you see as the most significant positive changes? I think overarchingly, the difference between this food guide and our prior food guides uh, stem from two main adjustments to how the guide was created by Health Canada. The first was a shift from what can broadly be described as a nutrient focus, where prior food guides were built and designed in order to ensure people met their micronutrient needs, meaning you know, they looked at all the different micronutrients, zinc and selenium, magnesium and the vitamins, and then they tried to craft a dietary pattern that would allow people to get their recommended dietary intakes of each and every one of those nutrients. Unfortunately, uh, that's not as wise, perhaps, as following a pattern of eating type approach, where we're looking at different patterns of eating and their impact on preventing or helping with chronic diseases. And so this food guide took more of a food patterning approach rather than a you know, nutrient sufficiency approach, which I think fits with uh, the literature and our evidence base a lot better. And the other thing they did very differently with this iteration was they explicitly disinvolved food industry from the various components of the guide's consultation process and creation. Though industry was invited to submit in writing their concerns, unlike prior food guides, 
The food industry did not sit at any tables or committees in terms of helping to influence the recommendations of the guide. Uh, the people who were involved in the guide's actual creation were all free from industry conflicts. And I believe when possible, the food guide creation process relied on studies that were not funded by the food industry. And so that removed what in the past has been criticized, including by me, as a tremendous amount of bias. The outcome is, I think, an excellent food guide, which shocks me to say, given how vehemently I have been uh, criticizing the food guide for the past dozen years or so. And so with this current food guide, the big changes, uh, we see dairy disappearing as its own food group. Uh, the food guide still is allowing people or, uh, to consume dairy. It's not as if dairy has been removed from the food guide, but it no longer has its own category. Uh, they got rid of a lot of what I would describe as wishy-washy language around grains, where the prior food guide said, make at least half your grains whole. Uh, that suggested that half of your grains could be refined without any ill health effects, and that's not true. Uh, they got rid of these weird and, I think, very industry-friendly and hard to imagine they were there, not consequent to industry's prior involvement, explicit recommendations in the past for every Canadian to consume two glasses of milk a day and two to three tablespoons of vegetables, oils a day, those are gone. Uh, it is no longer a fat-phobic document, although the food guide does rightly suggest when you can, you should eat unsaturated fats instead of saturated fats. It explicitly says that reducing total fat in the diet is not the point of those considerations. And the big one for me, uh, which I've been perhaps raging about the most given my job as someone who works with parents uh, of children with obesity they got rid of juice as a fruit equivalent, and they got rid of uh, sugar-sweetened milk as a health food. And that is a very powerful thing as far as public policy moving forward will be here in Canada. So all said, uh, th this is a food guide that I think better reflects our evidence base. And I think it's important to point out to listeners too, science isn't a static collection of facts. It's a regularly moving thing. It's also not nearly as fine-tuned as people are led to believe by, you know, diet gurus online and these sort of broad-based recommendations of regularly consuming vegetables, fruit, whole grains, making water your beverage of choice, swapping out your saturated fats and then replacing them with unsaturated fats, not consuming processed foods, um, not drinking too much alcohol, cooking more, using food labels and being uh, aware that food marketing is out there to influence your choices, this is as solid as it gets right now. It does seem like they've moved uh, ahead on several important fronts. As you know, we go through a similar process here in the United States every five years to produce the dietary guidelines for Americans. And one of the recurrent criticisms of our DGA is, again, undue influence from industry and not just food manufacturers that make ready-to-eat breakfast cereal and soda pop, but also the groups representing our dairy farmers and our cattle ranchers and our other agricultural sectors. And it's a real uh, tension between the mission of our uh, USDA, which is uh, the agency that supports our DGA, to balance 
as you say, the evidence towards what is going to make the population healthier and, um, and the needs of what's going to make some of those industries healthier. So it sounds like Canada has actually been a little bit more successful this time around anyway in insulating themselves from these industry influences. And perhaps that's a direction that we need to emulate down here in the, the lower 48. Yeah, and I think it's fair to state as well that this food guide really reminiscent as well of the recently published, I guess it was a couple of years ago, the Brazilian food guide that's received a lot of accolades from public health officials and dietary professionals. Um, I think this is where people are moving. I think the challenge, and it's a fair challenge and not one that is filled with evil or ill intent, is the fact that in, in the States, the USDA, and here in Canada, Health Canada, yes, Their job in part is to provide these recommendations that help sort of support public health initiatives and public health in general, but they're also arms of government. And so as an arm of government, really the consideration of industry, uh, of re-election, of (laughs) what the public is willing to sort of put up with, it does matter. And it's it's unfortunate, but it's true. And honest to goodness, I, I am really pleasantly surprised. I'm not sure how Health Canada managed to put out what they put out in that context. It really is a very striking departure from what we've had here for you know decades and decades of time, where really we have tipped our hats in the past in our dietary recommendations to industry. And in this food guide, you know, it is really difficult to find anything that makes a person feel that industry influence has led to this wording or these recommendations. You know, as you say, um, reflecting on the ways that um, these sorts of dietary guidelines have been evolving, um, not just here in North America, but in South America and in Europe and around the world, it seems as if everyone sort of evolving along similar paths, which isn't that surprising. I mean, research doesn't stop at the border. And, you know, as uh, nutrition research and understanding evolves, we don't seem to be as worried about fat and certainly not as much about dietary cholesterol. We're more worried about added sugars or free sugars, as I think they're called in your guidelines. And it does seem like there's a movement towards trying to express these recommendations, as you say, less in terms of nutrients and you know servings and more in terms of food, actual foods and maybe the proportions of our plates. But food policy experts are also starting to expand their scope beyond even just what might be healthy for humans or for farmers or industry and starting to think about what might be healthy for the planet. So the Canadian Food Guide was unveiled very shortly after the Eat Lancet report came out. And this was a big position paper, of course, issued by a global consortium of scientists who argued that we really need to rethink our diets and our food production systems in view of a rising global population. And I noticed a lot of common ground between the Canadian Food Guide and the Eat Lancet report, in particular that we need to get more of our calories and more of our protein from plants instead of animals. Yeah, I think that's true. And in fact, in Canada's Food Guide, that there is a reference to the environment and ecology and you know global health as a whole. Now, I am definitely not an expert in the impact of farming on the environment. Certainly, my understanding is when it comes to beef particularly, um, there are concerns environmentally compared with getting protein from plant sources. 
I'm less convinced, but again, I'm not an expert, uh, but I'm less convinced about other meat sources. Uh, I know that uh, pig products, for instance, pigs in general, their ability to consume all sorts of different uh, materials in terms of their feeds apparently changes their impact on the environment. So whether it's all meat sources or really just beef we should be focused on, I'm not positive. I do know, though, there are benefits to eating diets richer in plant proteins in terms of getting more legumes in our diets, getting more fiber along with our protein into our diets, perhaps getting less in the way of um, these proteins that impact the environment too. You know, it's a win-win for, for many people. So you don't think that there's any um, uh, negative impact towards moving away from animal proteins? Yeah, I, I definitely don't buy into the uh, hyped concern that telling people to eat less meat is going to cause any major or even minor uh, health problems. I mean, I think meat is something that uh, certainly here in North America, we consume a tremendous amount of. Looking at the Eat Lancet report, again, I have not read it. It is gigantic. Um, I wonder how many people have actually read the thing. So I am not claiming to have read it, but I do know the overarching recommendation from the Lancer report is that most people should eat 50% less meat. This is globally, but in, in America, uh, it would actually be eating 75% less meat given how much meat Americans are currently eating. So there's lots of room for reduction. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, having guidelines that make suggestions, people need to remember that it's not going to be somebody reading the Lancet Report or Canada's Food Guide and suddenly changing everything they're doing. But if these messages go out and someone's able to swap, let's say a meal a week from, you know, animal-based protein to plant-based protein, and in so doing also learn how to cook more from plant-based proteins, ideally, if you can swap uh, a meal out that you've been eating that has a lot of animal proteins in it for a home-cooked plant-based protein meal. I mean, it's going to be a huge improvement, I think, over, overall for that individual's diet. But, you know, to suggest that these guidelines will lead people to, you know, be vilified if they eat meat or lead people to suddenly stop eating meat, I think that gives a lot more credit <laughs> to the impact of guidelines on the individual. And as I've written about, you know, guidelines are about policy far more than they are about somebody shopping with this piece of paper in their hand saying what they should eat. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 
Speed Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. Now, Yoni, some have commented that the new Canadian Food Guide idealizes a diet that some people may find out of reach financially or even in terms of the time required to procure and prepare the meals. I don't know if you saw a column that was written in the Globe and Mail by Andre Picard, who wrote, healthy eating, as it is proposed in Canada's food guide, is a privilege of wealth. The symbolic fruity, nutty, grainy plate is actually out of reach for many who struggle with poverty, food insecurity, and health illiteracy, end quote. And I guess he's just saying, yeah, all these beautiful fresh fruits and vegetables and nuts, they're going to be a lot more expensive than fast food burgers and French fries and not nearly as convenient. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I I think though, and I'm not sure that Andre is suggesting that it it should, a food guy can't possibly address issues like food insecurity. I think it can put a spotlight on them and it, it can highlight the fact that there are incredible disparities in Canada, especially looking at our North and the cost of healthy food in the North is staggeringly high. Uh, But I'm not sure it's so much a criticism of the food guide as it is a criticism uh, of sort of food and poverty in Canada as a whole. And so, yes, this food guide for some will be out of reach. That would be true for any food guide. And I hope that this food guide, which in fact does in its, it's got a, it's not just a one piece of paper that shows a picture of a plate with food on it. There's a documentation and guidance that goes along with it where they talk about social equity and disparity and uh, culture and food. And yeah, it's a real issue. And so my hope is, is that having food guides out there to highlight what we should be striving for as a nation, perhaps in terms of dietary patterns, helps to provide public health advocates who are working in areas of food insecurity uh, the means with which to help lobby for the things they need to see change. But yeah, poverty and food insecurity, they're huge problems in every country, certainly including Canada, and no food guide will ever be able to address that in my well, of course, uh, well said. And but as you point out, these uh, food guides, even if uh, every Canadian is printing them out and you know uh, sticking them to the refrigerator as a, a guideline for what they're going to eat that day, they do go on to influence things like school nutrition programs and other uh, governmental programs. And so there may actually be a way in which these um, indirectly. Uh, influence and and hopefully help lift up some of those other programs to address some of these other issues like food insecurity and poverty. There's no doubt whatsoever. So people who are kids, for instance, who who already are experiencing food insecurity, they are already at risk for chronic diseases in a manner that uh, more privileged kids are not. Uh, having those kids, for instance, be provided you know free uh, juice with their breakfast programs or be sold chocolate milk with their milk programs and in the name of health, so to speak. Um, it's, it's counterproductive. It, it harms them more. And so, again, having 
a food guide that changes policy. So it will for sure change school food policy in regard to sugar, sweetened milk and the provision of juice, since the food guide recommends that rightly so, I think that both are not healthy beverages. Um, it's going to change institutional food, so hospitals and nursing homes. And again, that would apply, especially here in Canada, where we have socialized medicine, that would apply to everyone everywhere. I'm hoping that it has a real impact on marketing and marketing preys again on everybody across the socioeconomic spectrum. But having a food guide that no longer talks about you must have this many servings of this, that or the other uh, is going to change the the food industry's ability to suggest that people must eat certain foods. And similarly, in regard to uh, juice and milk, which have been pushed in the past by the food industry on the basis of the food guide saying you should eat them, that may improve choices unconsciously across all uh, socioeconomic spectra in Canada. Uh, I think it's going to help public health advocates to push for things like bans to food advertising to kids, to reforms of front of package claims. Uh, those are all good things. And those are things that will benefit all Canadians regardless of their backgrounds. And so, yeah, I, I think this food guide is going to help, but no, it most certainly will not uh, somehow solve the issue of poverty and food insecurity in Canada. And of course, that's not what its intention was. So, you know, when they've gotten so much right, I mean, it just seems like this has taken a giant leap forward in several really important uh, areas of health and nutrition that you've outlined for us here. It seems a little unfair then to look for um, ways in which it failed to measure up. But was there anything about this food guide that you were disappointed by or that you see as, you know, the next uh, beachfront for improvement? The next, I mean, you you don't do this every 12 years the way we do it in the States. I think it's been, what, 12 years since your last yep. iteration? So yeah, maybe we don't, a while. We don't do it every five years. That's right. We do it, it seems like randomly. So this <laughs> one was 12 years. The past one was 15 years. My yeah. hope is, so this is one of the criticisms I have, although it's not founded yet, but I hope that in the future, we will see much more frequent revisions and actually, you know, treating it almost like a living document. The fact that juice and chocolate milk had not been removed until now, despite Health Canada's own admission that they should not have been in the food guide as early as back in 2014, um, we should be able to modify this on an as-needed basis. And I think we should be able to modify it more quickly. So that Although it's not a shortcoming, it's certainly a concern of mine that it's going to be another you know, 12 years before we see the next iteration. And it, it need not be like that, especially now in the age of the digital delivery of, of information. Well, um, do you have a wish list for what modifications you might like to see addressed next? Well, so that was one, actually. So having an actual... So in the States, you guys have a mandated, we've got to do this every five years. I'd love to see that happen here as well, rather than hoping for it. I'd like to see there be actual uh, you know, legislation uh, and language around, we are committed to doing this every five years, for instance. The only other thing, and truly, like it's really, it's nitpicking, but um, uh, the other thing that I think was more a missed opportunity than a failure in the food guide uh, was there was no guidance provided for nutrition, kids, and sport. And I think that that is a very real area of misinformation with the rise of sport drinks or so-called sport drinks um, with this, this sort of push of you need to have chocolate milk if you run around a sports field in the summer for an hour. Uh, the notion that 
we dehydrate very rapidly. These are all industry push notions that aren't true, but as any parent who has kids who are playing organized sports know, um, you know, the, the sidelines are full of junk food. And I think having guidance from the food guide on this area, which I think there's sufficient evidence for them to guide, um, would have been really beneficial. Now, again, the good news is, is that with this guide's digital delivery, there's nothing stopping Health Canada from building this in. And so I blogged about this last week, and I've spoken with uh, some officials from Health Canada about it already. And I'm hoping uh, that we will see some guidance come out about this uh, before, uh, before too long. Well, Dr. Friedhoff, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today with your very uh, complete analysis and insights into this process. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. Dr. Friedhoff is the author of The Diet Fix. This is a wonderful book that um, has as its goal helping people to stop dieting and start them on a path to sustainable weight loss, which, as all of you know, is a cause near and dear to my heart. And his blog, which is lately a lot about the Canadian Food Guide, but on really all things food and nutrition related, is at weightymatters.ca weightymatters.ca. It's a wonderful blog. Dr. Friedhoff is also active on social media. You can catch him there. And uh, if you have questions or comments, feel free to leave them on our show notes, which are at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. Or you can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook and Twitter at Nutrition Diva. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is... I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say... Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And Supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, Supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Zero-dollar copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply.